Welcome to episode number 35 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you start and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. I had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode, we have Natalia Cochin, who is the founder of Currency, spelled C-U-R-E-N-S-E-A. I think it's important to know that, so you can go check it out. But Currency is an an ad-free community where everyone can earn for posting or curating creative work. So basically, you can publish your work, and when people like it, they can tip you and you'll make money that way. But you can also curate different work on the site as well, and when your followers like what you've curated they can tip you as well so both sides of the platform you can make money through this and it's quite a story how it actually got started which is why i'm really excited for you to listen to this episode we go through how this company actually got founded with non-technical co-founders but they navigated everything and the whole entire process from start to finish and then having to relaunch there's so much to it but i think it's a great episode the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast and over on iTunes, you can support the show, subscribe, just search, just go grind, and join. Without further ado, here is Natalia Cochin from Currency. Natalia, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to have you on. And of course, we're going to discuss currency. And to start with, I just want to know a little bit like what exactly is currency? So Currency is a social network where for independent artists, writers, musicians, basically it's for anybody that makes any kind of creative work in their spare time or professionally, just anything. And you can post it. And if people like it, they can tip you. And that's kind of the the basic part of it. It's to help creators earn money for their work that they post online. Nice. And and to that point, so obviously to help creators make money for their work, where did this idea like even come from? Like the inception, like the beginning, the beginning of the story, where did it come from? Well, I'm a poet originally, which okay. that's what I kind of majored in in college. And it's very difficult to live a life as a poet in a world that says that poetry is dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a challenge. <laughs> so basically I became a screenwriter. And I was working as a writer and I ended up writing screenplays in China for a while, which is where I met my co-founder, Sophie. And we started talking about a lot of the problems of the world, which is something that we like to talk about. And when we said goodbye, we said that we were going to work on a business together someday. We just didn't know what it was when we left, when I left China. Okay. And exactly two years later... Sophie was here in California and we started working on currency. So that's crazy. And where did you always like writing and like writing poetry and everything? Like how young were you noticed that you're like, yeah, I want to do this and study this? Yeah, my I think I wrote my first poem when I was five. That's the first poem that I can remember. And I performed it for the school talent show. (laughs) 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 And I got a lot of compliments. And I feel like that must have then stuck in my head that this is something that I'm good at. And then I just kept doing it. So literally from like age five, all the way till now, I mean, there's been I haven't actually been writing poetry for a while while I was building currency, I just started doing it again this year. But yeah, it's that's kind of the first writing interest that I had. 
What made you start again recently? Well, I built currency <laughs> with Sophie. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wow, I built my ideal platform for releasing my poetry. And then I decided that I should use it. And that's for, that's for what it's actually, yeah, intended for, which is like you as the audience. And that's interesting because I think a lot of times people come up with a business idea based on that exact thing, which is solving a problem they have and they turn it into a business. I'm curious about, so you mentioned your co-founder, Sophie, where did you meet her originally? So we were both studying at the Beijing Film Academy. Sophie was studying Mandarin and I was studying cinematography and there weren't that many international students. So we all knew each other. And Sophie was one of the only other American citizens, even though she's she technically grew up in Italy and Germany. I didn't notice that she had an accent at all. I thought she was American. So <laughs> I just wanted to be friends with her because her she English. Had something common. Imagine that. <laughs> and while you're talking with her and everything, and you form a relationship with her, like how does an idea come that like, okay, we should start a business one day? Was it just like you kind of aligned in the same type of thinking or what was that exactly? Well, Sophie's mom is an angel investor and a very talented businesswoman. And so I think we were talking a lot about the startups that she invests in and my brother also has his own startup. So we both come from families that have a lot of like business and startup oriented people in them. And so I guess we just we must have been, I can't, I mean, this was in 2012, 2011, okay. 2012, when we first became friends. So it's kind of a while now. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're just noticing that a lot of the problems that the artists in China were facing, and I was working as an artist in China. I mean, I, I was writing screenplays. Yeah. The same as everywhere else in the entire world. <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, wow, this is a huge problem. And it's the same in the whole world. So it's a giant global problem. And we like solving problems. So yes, that's and, what it was. And you said it was like, it was about two years later that you ended up starting it. Is that right? Yes. And what in that, at that point, so you're starting at that, what were some of the first steps you took to get this business off the ground and planning and like, like the vision for it? Like, I'm curious about all of that. Yeah. The first thing that we did, Sophie was, I think in Germany when we, first started, we really decided to just do this. And her mom is also a co-founder, Dagmar. So she is an angel investor and she gave us our first chunk of money to work with. And so we were like, okay, this is real. We're actually going to do it. <laughs> and then we just decided that we need to figure out what it would be called first before we did anything. Step one. <laughs> get a name. Because we had the whole system already figured out pretty much. I mean, it's changed a lot along the way, but we had like the full picture of what we wanted to do. And then we just spent, I think, three months trying to figure out a name. Two months took a long time. And it was like yeah. every day, all day long trying to figure out a name. And then, well, it, it just keeps going from there. That was the beginning. <laughs> just to start, we'll start with the name and developing from there. Like you said, you kind of had the idea like flesh out already, like over time or like you already pretty much knew what you wanted to build or yes. what did you Yeah, so you what happened was Sophie and I were working on some creative projects together. So we were trying to make a web series and we were trying to figure out how we would monetize that web series because I went to USC film school and I did the webisodes class. And so I knew a lot about webisodes and monetization of webisodes. And 
the internet just keeps changing. It keeps getting kind of harder and harder to get that exposure that can then translate into earnings, no matter who you are. <laughs> it's just yeah. harder. And basically, we were trying to figure out a distribution. I Actually, I think we were working on a different startup idea now that I'm remembering. That's what happened. Sorry. It's been a while. It was a long time ago. We were working I'm on making it go back. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> then I was going to lose my job and she was going to lose her job or we both lost our jobs. And then we were like, we should do this. <laughs> the, the idea came to me on a plane over Phoenix, Arizona, while I was watching the sunset. Just the whole system just downloaded into my brain. I don't know why. That, that's awesome. And, and did you at, at that time like write that down, kind of just kept in the back of your head or? Well, I'm really always curious about details. I wrote it down in my journal and I drew like the landing page and it was really, (laughs) it was really horrible looking, (laughs) 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 but I wrote out all the reasons why I thought this was the ideal system for publishing creative work online because Sophie and I have been talking about penny tips. We have been talking about flatter, which is a business that, um, I don't know if it's still around, but it was like one way of trying to monetize the internet back in 2012. And Basically, we had already been talking about this stuff, but we couldn't figure out how to make it actually really work where the people that are doing the curating also get uh, part of the profits because they do all the advertising work for you. So that's where we came up with the curator split that we have on currency, where if you share stuff and people tip your share, you get 10%. So anybody can participate because my good friend, Cassandra, gives me really good music recommendations And she inspired me to, uh, it's like, I wanted to pay her for how good the music recommendations were basically. (laughs) Like I would pay somebody to just tell me what is good out there because it's hard to find it. Right. And that was kind of what happened. And I don't know why it just synthesized on that plane flight, maybe because I was up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. I actually think there's something, something, there's something special with planes because I've noticed the same thing. It's always like a you have to take a bigger view of like life, business, everything you're trying to do when you're in a plane. And like, because you're, yeah, you're kind of stuck in there, you can see the ground from thousands of feet up. It's kind of crazy. I have some like ideas come from that as well. So I'll vouch for the plane idea yeah, creation process. I don't know what it is. And the clouds. And it was like this beautiful sunset over Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Funny. And I knew my job was ending and I was like, crap shit i don't know i need to come up with something yeah so what the hell am i gonna do now (laughs) yeah so you mentioned with the angel investment like was that just like to give you two the ability to work on it full time or did you hire people right away or like how did that work even you know it was pretty open at the beginning because it was we were still just trying to figure it out and we we knew that um dagmar was going to support us and then i was asking my dad if he would support us and i also had my savings And Sophie had some savings. So we were trying to figure out how we could put a chunk of money together to just go for it. Yeah. And basically, there was still some logistical stuff like Sophie moved to Long Beach from Germany. And then we had no idea what we were doing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, Sophie got here. And like on the day that she got here, I had been waiting to hear if she liked the name currency, like with the spelling that we have. Yeah. And she hadn't answered my emails and she always answers my emails really quickly. So I thought she hated the name. I was really (laughs) excited about it. Then she got here and she liked the name. And then that was kind of the beginning of then this developer search that took a really long time. (laughs) Oh, take me through that. That sounds like a good story. It took a long time. What was the process for you guys even going about that and trying to find a developer to build this out? 
Well, I started contacting all of my friends who were in the tech industry, which I have a lot of. And I just thought that people, I didn't know how hard it was. I just thought people would be like, sure, here's a guy. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't seem to work that way. And also, I'm not sure that anybody quite understood how serious we were. (laughs) Like, it was kind of like, we're just doing this thing now and we, we need coders. And then we, we interviewed a bunch of people in Long Beach, but everybody was already working on something else or they wanted to us. Like we didn't have an office. We didn't have anything. It's just like two people with an idea. Right. And so that's pretty hard to get somebody to, well, not only join your team, we were looking for a technical co-founder and yeah. That is something that like on the Y Combinator app and like most of these apps, they've changed it a bit at the time, I think, to maybe help women have more access to funding and startups because a lot of women don't have coder friends like that are other women because women are less likely to be majoring in computer science, although it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. So all my friends who are coders are dudes. Like I don't know one female coder when we started. And Yeah it just makes it hard because you just don't have the network network. to find them. Yeah. So we just went everywhere and like, well, we met one guy tried to like take all of our money for stuff like later, later now that, I mean, he did not succeed. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Anyway, he was later like run out of long beach. So it's, it was not just us. (laughs) Goodness. but, um, But yeah, you, you know, you can get taken advantage of if you don't know what you're doing. And unfortunately, we didn't know what we're doing, but we learned a lot. So. Yeah. And on that search for the co-founder, I mean, literally, where are you looking? Are you like just doing Google searches? Are you trying, like what networks were helpful? I'm curious if you remember any specific like resources, because I've definitely talked to people like at USC, like friends of mine and stuff who have ideas and also need like technical co-founders. And I'm curious on where you went Where to you go. find them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a lot. I mean, they're a lot easier to find now. They were not easy to find at that time. And I think it's because now we have a product and so people actually want to work for us. Whereas <laughs> I think yeah. it's hard to find somebody at the idea stage because you're asking them to take a risk right. and they might not be as passionate about the idea as you are. Because at the time, like nobody was understanding what I was trying to say <laughs> like at yeah. all when I tried to explain what currency was. It's like I have this grand vision and I could not for the life of me, explain it <laughs> in a way that made any sense. So I think that was pretty hard for finding a developer. But basically, we we met, I guess I just asked my brother to give me every coder that he knew in Long Beach. And then we met with them. And then we asked them to tell us other coders. And then basically, people told us that we should go to Ukraine to find coders because we wouldn't be able to find people to work with us for as little money as we needed them to work for us. Yeah. And, um, which I also didn't know that it was little money cause I'm a writer. <laughs> so it's like, we don't get it. <laughs> so it's like, I thought that was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait a minute. What? This is a ton. What are you yeah, talking about? Like, I, I want to get paid that much money. So like, right. I don't know what your problem is, but <laughs> <laughs> You're like, maybe I need to learn code. Like, geez. <laughs> exactly. Well, and actually Sophie did learn how to code. She, she did. Yeah. Sophie's really smart. She like, I tried to learn how to do it and I could do a little bit, but it's not, it's my brain doesn't really, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Not as intuitive maybe for you and not something you want to do necessarily. Not, yeah. Sophie though, she, before we even started this, she had started learning a little bit of coding and then basically she built all the wireframes in 
HTML, CSS. She just did it. Like she didn't know how to code at all. And she just did it. That's actually how we got more funding later because we pitched it in front of a person who works for a very big investor. And he said it was the best pitch he'd ever heard with our wireframes. So that gave us a lot of confidence, (laughs) which was good early on. And then our confidence was destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why was it destroyed? What ended up happening? It's a long journey, you know? (laughs) Yeah. We'll take it one step at a time. Let's yeah. go back to the co-founder with the technical co-founder. So you're going through this whole process and trying to find them and like basically getting referrals from referrals to try to find this person. And then how did you end up landing on whoever you chose? Um, well, so yeah, everybody told us to go to Ukraine. I happen to be half Ukrainian and my dad is like super Ukrainian. And <laughs> so <laughs> uh, at that time, there was this conference in San Francisco coming up uh, like you ut tech gem or ukraine tech gem or something i can't remember what it was called okay um which was bringing together the ukrainian tech community in san francisco and like ruslana did a like a concert (laughs) it was just very ukrainian and so (laughs) my dad paid for us to go to san francisco to go to that conference to see if we could find developers and so we just went there and then we're asking all the ukrainian people and they were really helpful actually and gave us the confidence that we should actually maybe just go to Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah. So we did. First we went to Germany and then we went to Ukraine. We tried to find coders in Germany because we were going to live in Germany. Okay. Because we wanted to have this technical co-founder that would be part of the team with us. Right. Like Like a real piece of team. And we couldn't find that in Germany either. So we went to Ukraine and then yeah, a friend of mine who was from this Catholic university that I went to in Ukraine in 2006, I asked him if he knew any coders. And he told me that his friend runs this startup co-working space thing. And so then I emailed that guy. Look, I just was emailing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what you have to do, right? Like yeah. whatever it takes to figure this out. Yeah, and that guy he really helped us and gave us, they had like some mixer thing where they were having speakers and they let us speak to this whole group of Ukrainian coders. And we basically just went up there and we're like, Hey, we have an idea. We can pay you. Please work for us. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you a job. We want a team member. Yes. Exactly. Actually kind of reminds me of this MBA process at USC here. Everyone's just like, give me a job to all these different recruiters all the the time. (laughs) That's essentially what people are just saying or internship at this point, I guess, but it's the same type of thing. So, so you're at this conference and you're asking people in Ukraine for developers. You're trying to find developers. So what happens next? Yeah. I think there were two pretty promising candidates after that talk. And the reason that they were promising was only because they spoke English and my Ukrainian is not very good. So we needed needed English speakers. And then we interviewed them and we decided to go with one guy who then we worked with for two years, like building the first prototype version. And he helped us to find more Ukrainian coders as we went on. So we had a full Ukrainian team for when we built the beta prototype type version of it. Okay. We released in 2016. Okay. And so you had that initial team. So then 
how was that communication back and forth with them? And like, what were the challenges with that? Cause you've, obviously you've never done this before. How yeah, did no. that go? <laughs> I'm really um, curious about it. Yeah. Well, it works. I mean, we built the thing. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. It was yeah. just obviously like we had no experience managing a development team or making a startup or any of the stuff that we were doing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we just, we did it. The time difference was hard. And also our team was not interested in coming on as technical co-founders. Okay. So we didn't even ever get that, you know? Yeah. But we kind of let go of that because it just didn't make sense for us to worry about it so much because basically it felt like we couldn't do our, I don't know. It's just, I feel like that is something that startup people say always. And it's not actually true that you need to have a technical co-founder. You need to have somebody that can handle the tech and understand it, but you don't need to partner with a coder to do a startup. Like in my personal opinion. (laughs) Yeah. And and to that point, I feel like in terms of partnering and what people will tell you, it's like, yeah, especially to a certain point, like I think if you're getting to even bigger series A, series B, whatever beyond that, and everyone tells you it's about the team and everything else, then I think it's much more important to have a co-founder at that point, a technical co-founder at that point. But especially on, especially wherever you're at, like to start with, like whatever it takes to get started, you just do that. <laughs> like if you guys weren't finding anyone, it seems like, well, then you just do whatever you can to move forward, right? Well, and that's the thing. And like Sophie really, like she is the technical co-founder now, you know? It's yeah. like we couldn't find one, but Sophie developed into one. <laughs> so, yeah, which is amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And like, I know a lot about tech now. <laughs> I don't, I didn't ever want to know all of this, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you've had to, to build, to build your baby, you have to do it, right? <laughs> so... No, I, I, it's interesting. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then to that point, like I know, so Sophie learned the coding part of it and you said 2016 was when you had like the first kind of MVP built. Yeah. We released it and tried to look, I thought that this idea is so good that it was going to go viral, like instantly. <laughs> like, <laughs> Everyone I, does. Right? I Your really own idea. thought that, like, I really honestly believed it. So this was like a whole humbling process where it's like, nope. <laughs> but, but yeah, we released it. We were trying to get, you know, people to sign up for it. The, we had a, some problems with the site. It wasn't loading. Um, okay. It was very slow. And the more people we got on, the slower it got and the more it would crash. And we were trying to convince people that this is the best site ever. And it's like, but it's factually not true. <laughs> it's not, yeah. It was not good. So it's like, that's very hard to do. And, but it's like, we were focused on a lot of this kind of startup culture and the way that you have to do it in order to follow this, whatever path you're supposed to have. But the thing is, there is no set path. (laughs) You just do it. And if it works, it'll keep working. At least that seems to be what has happened for us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And with those challenges of, you know, you launch it and obviously you have huge, high hopes, even on the launch, I guess I'm curious, what did you do to get the word out initially? We got some press and then we were like doing stuff on social media and we didn't have like any money for marketing. So that was kind of it. And then I was also just emailing every single person I could in the world that I thought would minorly have an interest in currency. So I emailed a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, did you get people through that though? Like, oh yeah, it must have worked somewhat. Yeah. 
we got our first about like a thousand people, I think through 2016, just by virtue of our emails. <laughs> wow. But that took, that means we emailed, it was about 10% sign up rate. So that means I emailed about 10,000 people for that, 1,000. So I, my arms were not feeling good and my shoulders <laughs> were not feeling good. And also it really was frustrating because a lot of times people thought that I was a robot and it's like, I'm a real person emailing you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actual person. Like I'm a machine, yes, I'm but I'm a real a person. Robot. Yeah, that's <laughs> been kind of that's a theme. <laughs> how were you finding the people? I mean, that's a lot of emails, obviously. Like, how were you finding them? Just like look, searching different blogs and article posts, and like emailing them, or like how did you find these people? You know, that was actually a learning process for me because I do. I am a painter as well, and I've posted my art online. I was not trained as an artist, and I'm not in the artist world or seen at all. Yeah. So I started by just looking at Behance and finding different artists on there that I liked. And then I think I moved to Instagram and that worked way better because you can just find one person and then look at their friends and go to the next person. Like, you know, so you just find like whole artist networks through their friend lists because it's already there. These people know each other. And then I would just email everyone. (laughs) How did you find their emails then? Was it always just like they all had websites that they were posting stuff on or like, where was that? Yeah. Usually the artists have their email on their website or they even have it on their Instagram, but I got really, really good at finding where the email was on their artist website. Like I can find an artist email really fast. (laughs) Yeah. There's also a tool called hunter.io. I think I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh no, I haven't. That probably would have been way useful for me. Well, it's like, I think it's a a Chrome extension and I think I want to say Austin Belsack, a former guest on this podcast, I think he mentioned it, but you can have in your Chrome extension. Then when you go to a website, it gives you the, like the, all the emails or potential emails on that site. Once you're on there, it's kind of cool. Oh. It's the hunter.io. Yeah. So I if wish I had that back then. I'm never emailing anybody again. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it for him. You still got to send the emails. <laughs> but yeah. at least it gives you part, part of the way. But that's something like to be said for being scrappy and figuring things out to get those first customers. You just one by one by one. And that's what I think. I think it's like Reed Hoffman, Masters of Scale. They say like do things that don't scale initially to get those first customers. And that's... Yes. Yeah. Like I think it was important to us to like have kind of a personal connection with the artists that the, we first got on because we wanted people to understand the vision of what we were doing. So we also met with a lot of artists in person all over the world. So after the, after that launch, you get those initial customers, like what was the growth from there and what did you do next? That is a good question. Let me try to remember. Okay. So well, basically we released that beta version and we were trying to push growth, but we couldn't. And then we actually realized that we couldn't actually grow it because it would collapse. The site it would crash. Yeah. yeah. So we had to start from scratch. We rebuilt it. Really? Yeah. We rebuilt the whole thing and we were really sad. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to rebuild the entire thing. So did you work with like the same team, a new team to rebuild it or how did that we work? worked with some members of our old team and some new members. And then we hired a whole new team that was based in the US and we rebuilt it and we released that 
new version in April of last year to like where it had all the features that we wanted. So, so April, 2018, you released the new version. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did it take us that long? It did. It took, yeah. It was like all of 2017. We were just rebuilding it. It was hard. <laughs> so yeah, I imagine that would be tremendously difficult. And like, what was the communication like with the people who were already using the platform before throughout that process? I'm pretty sure everybody just assumed we were dead. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any like, contact information from them or how was that? Like, there were, I mean, there were some people that were still, the site was up, like we kept the old site up and Sophie and I were using it and there were still like 50 people that were coming back, like somewhat regularly, maybe a hundred okay. out of that first like thousand, which granted like most of the first thousand were like my random friends who are not actually that interested in <laughs> this. Right. So it's like, I wouldn't expect them to be coming back regularly, but the, yeah. the artists, some of them did really like it and were using it. So that was encouraging as we were rebuilding the whole thing. Cause we knew that we couldn't actually market. We couldn't market it until we had a version that could scale. Yeah. Otherwise it, it obviously won't work. So we just had this like holding pattern, but we were not sending any user emails at that time. It was just like the network was just functioning like a very tiny artist social network. So we were very fond of those original artists that were there yeah. for us through the whole thing. They're really awesome people. Yeah, that's that's impressive. And then one thing I just forgot to ask about before, when you're sending all those messages, you sent like thousands of messages, obviously, like do you remember what was included in that message that convinced people to join the platform? Like what you had in that message? You mean like in the original emails? Yeah, like those original emails. And I'm just curious about like that. Like what makes someone convinced? Like literally just by random chance you would get one in 10 or like what was the message that you were sending people? Well, we described how the platform worked. And I think that a lot of creative people are really struggling from this problem. Like I really think that this is a, huge problem. So I think that's the only reason that we got 10% is because a lot of people recognize that this might work and artists are often open-minded and willing to try things. So they, and also being an early adopter of something can often pay off. So I feel like a lot of people that like know that it doesn't take that much work to just sign up. And if you're one of the first people and it actually works, <laughs> it's really good for you. Yeah, you get lots so, of exposure then. Yeah, I would say that the majority of artists that, obviously the majority of people just didn't email me back, right? Right. But then some people said they really like the idea, but they just don't have time because they have, have too many social networks. Nobody, everybody's at that time was feeling pretty stressed out because you know people are addicted to Facebook and Instagram, so they can't yeah. they can't look at any other thing. <laughs> and it's like the idea <laughs> of signing up for a new social network is a nightmare. And I understand I don't want to sign up for a new social network either. But it's like our site is not quite what people think of as a social network. It's more of an arts, writing, music appreciation network where you can find good independent creative work and also just see really interesting stuff that people are making. So yeah. it's kind of a different, I don't feel like it's a, it's a replacement for your Facebook or your Instagram. You know, it's, it's a separate thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a different thing entirely. Yeah. A different type of different community as well. And then, and, and going back, I hate to jump around, but I had to ask back at that, but 2018 then when you relaunch. Yes. 
what did you do at that point to relaunch? Was it like the same type of emailing thousands of people again or what, what happened then? <laughs> Actually, yes. But I did that before April. I was doing that like January through March. I emailed like 4,000 musicians. Nice. Because we didn't have very many musicians on the site and I just love music and I really want, I really feel like it can work for music also, but yeah. musicians are like the most jaded <laughs> of all of the artist types. So they a hundred percent thought I was a bot and often wanted to like say really mean things to me. And it was like, dude, I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> like yeah. if you don't want yeah. it, don't take it, but like you don't have to be an asshole. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> but I think people get like a lot of unsolicited emails, especially musicians, they have their emails up everywhere. And I think a lot of people take those and make like lists and just spam these people. So, and they're, you know, they really want to, they're serious about their music and they don't appreciate it. (laughs) Like, and I get it, it's just hard to communicate that in an email. (laughs) Yeah. How do you tell them that? (laughs) It's like, how do I be like, I understand completely. It's like, it's an email. I don't know how to tell you that. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. So, <laughs> through, this, through this email channel. Yeah. So basically, that didn't work at all. So, we, we did get a few musicians that signed up, but I feel like out of the 4,000, like maybe we got like 10 people. It was very dismal, the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so, we started Facebook ads and that worked great. <laughs> yeah. How did, did you hire someone to do that or did you run them yourself? No, we did, we, we did it everything ourselves. <laughs> Wow. Where were you learning then to do like Facebook ads? Just like Google searching best practices? Like, I I mean, I assume that type of thing. Yeah. Well, a friend of my fiance works as a marketer and she told me about the lookalike audiences and like the different things that you can do on Facebook, which it was just not actually on my radar. I just, we don't, we didn't know this stuff, you know, (laughs) it's like, and uh, so we learned it. We just, we realized that you could do pretty cool stuff on Facebook with marketing, which it's like Facebook is one of the biggest ad companies, you know, that's what they right. do. And they really know what they're doing <laughs> with that. It's great. Like, so yeah, we just taught ourselves, we tried different ads. We don't, we didn't have any money to do that. So we started using public domain artwork, which is okay. free to use and we, and free to also change it. Nice. So we made like a Vincent Van Gogh ad and like a few other Casper David Friedrich ad. We had all these different artist ads, but from old public domain artists, they don't need the money anymore because they're dead. So yeah, they're gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll be all right. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But actually a lot of people sometimes get pissed off about that on our ad that like we, Vincent Van Gogh can't give consent to, for his artwork, which is kind of an interesting thing about currency is that the internet is about sharing and remixing. Like, at least in my opinion, that's what it is, is that it's like you can build on different stuff, which is yeah. why you need creative commons and open source stuff and open culture, open knowledge. I'm like big, big proponent of open stuff because yeah. otherwise you can't do anything. And All right. <laughs> it's like... But also at the same time, protecting artists from having their work stolen without their permission. It needs to be that they obviously say that it's okay if you want to use the work in this way. Currency is not about creative commons or public domain. It's about people giving permission 
for you to look at their art, enjoy it, and then tip it if you want. But the credit will never leave the artist. So this is kind of a, anyway, I'm oh, yeah, don't keep going. trouble expressing it, but. <laughs> oh, that's fine. So you're, it's a different model though. And and on that, to that point, actually, I was, I was curious on how, what is the revenue model for the company then themselves? We sell tokens that you use okay. to do the tipping. And we take a dollar on every token purchase. And okay. we take a 5% commission when we pay artists. And right now, that's all we're doing. Okay. And how did you decide on that, that model? I'm just curious. Uh, that, was just, that was just the model from the beginning. We wanted people to buy in. Because if you don't buy in... Well, actually, originally, we were going to have people... You couldn't do anything on currency unless you bought the coins. Like we originally, we had it in the sign up step that you should have to buy these coins. And my brother was like, no one will ever do that. <laughs> and I was like, they should though. And I kept telling him that this is the way that has to be. And my brother was like, it won't happen. You can't do that. And I was like, you'll see. But my brother was right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. like, I hate to say it, but he got it right. <laughs> he was right. Yeah. So we had to change that part of it too. But yeah. Basically, we're trying to get people to understand that everything that they look at online was made by a person. Right. And a lot of people out there are struggling because their work is like images are the most traded thing maybe in the world right now because of the internet. It's like every yeah. day people are sending gifts, they're sending emojis, they're sending artwork, they're sending photos. And most of the labor of making that stuff is unpaid. Yeah. And for me, I think that's really messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is crazy how fast it's grown. I mean, it's blown up. You look at something that happens and you you already know it's going to be a meme or a GIF. Yeah, and you're like, exactly. you can tell <laughs> like so quickly it happens. And like, if you go to Twitter, like it'll be there instantly and somewhere else it'll be right away. It is kind of insane how fast it's blown up over the years. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing is I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the internet. That's It's like, I don't know why I'm just like obsessed with the internet and yeah. what it is and what it means for people because I grew up when, you know, I remember when there was no internet. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, you know, younger people than me don't remember that. And I remember the change. And I remember how much the internet was important to me in high school. Oh, definitely. And same I, here, same here. Yeah, and I feel like we're this is a new communication tool and we're building a new language and the language of the internet is images, text, sound, video. And I don't know what is going to happen in the future, but I think currency is a cool place to look at what might happen in the future. Cause the artists, they are all, uh, you know, they're in tune with something else. I don't know what it is, Yeah, <laughs> but it's fun to watch. Yeah, and on, on that kind of that point about the future, what is the the vision for currency moving forward? The vision is quite big. <laughs> yes, uh, that's what I want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I think is something that's very difficult for startup people. Is that of course you have like this massive vision, but you don't want to say it because it makes it sound like you're crazy. <laughs> But then other entrepreneurs understand that. So. Yeah, exactly. But so I believe that if we can pull it off, which is like we're really at an early stage right now, but if we can pull it off, I believe we would be able to compete with Amazon, Facebook, Disney, and Google. 
compete in what domain exactly? Media. Media company. Yeah. What are some of those next milestones then to that point? Well, first it would be that Sophie and I are going to get paid for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) So we're getting our first paychecks in March and we're quite pleased that we did that because it's, we have not been paid for, I can't remember how many years now. (laughs) Lots lots (laughs) of hard work. Very useful for learning a lot of stuff to learn how to live on little to no money. I think it's something that is a really good thing for people to experience. And I'm excited that my time with that is coming to a close. (laughs) Yeah. To be actually rewarded in that way is going to be, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be tremendous for you. And, and as this company has kind of grown, like what are some of those either like metrics you're using to evaluate the business, that type of thing. Especially recently, just with the classes I've been taking everything, it's like, okay, what are your metrics and how are you progressing on those? And that's what investors are always looking for. But what are some of those things for your company then? Yeah. So the main one that I'm most focused on is just user growth. I want a lot of people on the site looking at and tipping and sharing art. And we've been having our largest growth week over week. It started in about November and then it's just like everything is changing. It's just growing every week. It's growing a lot. And on every front of like how much people are tipping, how often they're tipping, how often they're coming back, how long they're staying on the site, if they're buying coins, that has all been increasing each week over week since November, but the most it ever has in this whole time. So it's exciting. It's very exciting. It's also very stressful, but <laughs> we're doing great. So so with that, that's awesome to hear that. Has it been the Facebook ads? Has it been organic Facebook ads? Is it fueling the organic growth or what are some of those growth levers you've kind of been pulling? Yeah, it's we still just have those two Facebook ads running and I I don't think we're spending very much money on them right now. Okay. I think that there's actually been a lot of uh, word of mouth, which is what I've been dreaming of. <laughs> You're like, yes, people are talking about it. <laughs> so, it's pretty exciting. We're we're getting the attention of some like online curators finally, which are the people that I think are the most important for getting currency to work well because curators help to kind of create a feed that looks really interesting and that is what is fun to look at kind of like these different styles and different the ways that people interpret the pieces so the curators like it because they get paid and they're doing this work on instagram and facebook all time and tumblr and every site like anytime somebody's recommending any independent art writing music to you they're doing curating for you. That's awesome. And along this way, like you've put years of work into this. What have been some of the best resources, whether it be podcasts or books or audiobooks or people, whatever that have been most helpful kind of along the way? <laughs> yeah. I still have not read all the books that I was supposed to read for this. Um, <laughs> supposed to air quotes. <laughs> supposed yeah. to. Read. You know, Sophie and I have like, we're into like a lot of new age stuff that has been very useful. So like astrology and tarot and the I Ching and any kind of divination technique that can give us hope. (laughs) That that has been very useful. And I think that if currency actually does 
make it as big as I hope it will, it will be thanks to this, whatever guidance, this, whatever this stuff is, you yeah. know, whatever this means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't remember what episode, but, but Mina Zia, she has a similar type of following belief. I don't know what you want to call it, but the same type of thing. I think she'd be an interesting person to, to talk yeah. to or listen to her episode. Yeah, she has a very similar thing. I think it's helpful for a lot of people right now, these different kind of spiritual beliefs that are coming back. I was raised Catholic, so I have a lot of spiritual confusion in my life. <laughs> but, but I really, spiritual confusion, that's a good way. I really enjoy learning about it all. And I, I find the you know ancient writings somehow comforting. Yeah. And with that, I think it's like, for, for me, like I read like stoicism, like stoic, like oh, oh, yeah. uh, the, the daily did, stoic. I did read all the stoic stuff over this journey. Yeah. I read a lot of books in the last yeah. <laughs> just not like startup focused books. Were there any good ones? I mean, it doesn't have to be a startup book. Any, anything that's been helpful? Oh yeah. Um, man, that is a great question. I have a lot of books that I like. I've really enjoyed the yoga sutras. And the Bhagavad Gita and like a lot of the Hindu stuff was really awesome to read. <laughs> like what about those? Is it just like kind of the mindset side? Like what exactly is it? I'm just curious. I was always interested in Hinduism from a young age. I'm not sure where it came from. Yeah, I've been reading about it for a long time. And I guess because Sophie and I started doing yoga like very regularly to help with obviously the stress of startup life Yes, and <laughs> yoga is great. And then I wanted to learn more about where yoga comes from and what the philosophy is behind it. And it's really cool. <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I and think I, that's, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of actually leads into what else do you do to kind of de-stress, handle the ups and downs entrepreneurship? You mentioned yoga. Is that one of the main things you do? Yeah. Yoga, yoga, going for long walks at the park. I journal every day. I used to meditate every day. I need to start doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've fallen off of my stress coping in the last like two months, but I need to get back on that. (laughs) I'm too stressed to deal with stress. (laughs) Like there's too much (laughs) the classic like entrepreneur thing. That's where I'm at right now, but I am going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And I actually want to dig deeper into the actual things you do. Is it, when you say journal, is it just like a blank sheet you're writing out something in particular or is it like a five minute journal type of thing? Like what is it for the journaling practice? I started journaling in 2008 when I was living in Taiwan and I don't, I just journal. I have like just any notebook and then I just write in it for about like 15, 20 minutes, just whatever I'm thinking. I just write it down. Okay. And then for the meditation, for the meditation, was there like a specific app or a certain kind of meditation you you did before? Yeah, I was using a lot of just guided meditations on YouTube. And then I, I've been doing meditation for a long time too. I don't know. I probably learned about it in Catholic school. I don't know where all this stuff comes from, (laughs) (laughs) but I've been practicing it for a long time and interested in it. So I just do it on my own. I try to do 15 minutes a day, just literally just turn everything off and just like lay down or sit down and just don't do anything. Yeah. It, you don't need that long. Literally 15 minutes a day is like all you need. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've done it before with 
Calm was the app I used before. Yeah, um, a lot of people talk about that app. I should probably get on. See, I'm I'm a little bit of like a luddite myself, which is kind of weird. <laughs> a startup founder, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I just uh, you know I'm a I'm a writer. I'm like old school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it can be helpful, but obviously everyone has their own thing. I think there's something to be said for literally taking a few minutes to just have some peace and quiet and sit there and like not try to do anything, which can be tough for people who are constantly building and creating and trying to plan things and build things, whatever it may be. It is tough. Yeah, but it's but it's great. It's I think it's good for everyone, not mm-hmm. even just startup founders. Meditation yeah. is great oh, for sure. all people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So we're kind of wrapping up here. I'm curious, was there any advice you'd have for an aspiring entrepreneur? Because you, you've built this company and it's been years in the making and obviously there's been some struggles, but then you've clearly gotten users and you've had some success. Like anything you would tell an aspiring entrepreneur? Trust yourself and pick a good partner like Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> Find your Sophie. <laughs> Find a Sophie. Yeah, Sophie's great. <laughs> And, and trust yourself and, and, and trust your partner too. So Sophie and I have a thing where it's like, if one of us doesn't feel good about something, we don't do it. So it's, it's just like, we know that our guts are good. So you just trust your gut. Yeah. Has that been challenging at all with having to have both people? Yeah. Well, no, no, it actually, that hasn't been hard, but it's, it's been hard sometimes to trust our own feelings, right? It's like, is this yeah. really bad or am I uh, confused? <laughs> it's like, no, it's bad. <laughs> it's just bad. Yep. <laughs> that has been, I'm getting a lot better at that. And then where can people go to learn more about you, what you're doing, what you're working on? Currency, just uh, com. Awesome. It's everything there on the about page and FAQ. And if you have any questions, you can email me nat at currency.com. I'm on my email all day long. So (laughs) we know you're well-versed in email, probably have carpal tunnel by now. Uh, (laughs) I imagine. (laughs) Well, Nat, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Justin. It's great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.